California abolishes the registered veterinary technician exam. What does this mean for techs everywhere? This week on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And this week, we're going to tackle a tough topic that's breaking in the news right now. And this was actually at the request of one of our loyal listeners. So if you ever have a question or something you want us to cover, please hit us up. But before we get into all of that, as always, I am Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And I'm excited to cover this topic today because this is a veterinary technician tackles the toughest topic <laughs> of the veterinary technician exam nationwide requirements and then these state examinations on top of them and hot off the presses california registered veterinary technician association reports that the california rvt exam is no longer a thing no longer a thing that's right now when was it a thing and why was it a thing and and actually i guess becky what is this thing right so you know if you don't already know uh Veterinary Technician and National Exam, the VTNE, is required in most of the states to for veterinary technicians graduating from their programs to take to pass cross the boards. Pretty much, you know, standard in California, the VTNE wasn't recognized until a few years ago, um, and the the they had their own exam that they implemented. So they just wait, got on board. Wait, wait, to- wait, what? Yeah. So so there's a national board like our veterinary medical boards. And California didn't didn't allow it or approve it or recognize it. They didn't. Right. They didn't recognize it. They had their own version. Oh, um, so this okay. is really tricky for California veterinary technicians because they had to make a decision if they were going to actually still take the VTNE regardless of their state requirement or not. Because if you ever want to move to another state and be licensed in another state, you're going to want right. to have those VTNE scores, right? So it became an additional test that they had to not only decide they were going to study and take, but pay for on top of California's required state, uh, required exams. And how much are we talking? I mean, is it a, a 50 bucks or is it $500? So a uh, couple hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the VTE, um, and, and and I have to get a little bit more understanding around this because there's so many different exams that are required, and I don't know exactly how much it used to cost because again, they've they've changed their testing requirements. But when they started accepting the VTE and recognizing the VTE, they still had the California state exam in addition. Now. California is not the only state that has this. North Carolina included has their own state exam that a technician must pass before they're credentialed in North Carolina. And a lot of states have this. Right. And same for veterinary medicine. You take a national board exam, you have to pass it, and then you go and take your own state's what we call jurisprudence exam in most most states. And that just really says, do you understand the laws governing veterinary practice here. And that's exactly right. And I think that this isn't, you know, it's important, but what the veterinary medical board in California found and what the state technician association argued, which I I think they did a beautiful job and they get a lot of credit here is this exam is really not covering anything applicable to technicians. It's not really necessary because in examination of the practice act, there isn't really anything that they wouldn't be able to do that wasn't already covered. 
Okay. So, so in, in essence, what California previously had said was, look, we don't know that this VTNE is adequate. We want to make sure that our standards of care, our expertise are better. So we do our own California registered veterinary technician exam, right? Now it sounds like they recognize that the VTNE is perfectly acceptable and it covers all the things that they need to cover. So therefore let's get rid of this old California specific exam. Is that right? That's exactly right. Okay, now what about the the legalities though? Because again, getting back to North Carolina, you still have to pass your VTNE or your national boards, if you will, but you still have to take a special test that says, I understand the laws in North Carolina governing veterinary technicians. Is that right? That's exactly right. So in, in our state, we do, and they are specific to um, the laws and, and right. what a technician is and isn't allowed to do. And they do stem a little bit more specific to our practice act. That being said, our Practice Act needs a lot of work and they are working <laughs> right. on it right now, right. right? So there is maybe some validity to the exam right now in North Carolina because our Practice Act does need some clarification. We need to know that technicians are clear. California's Vet Tech you know, Association feels and the VMB found that based on their Practice Act, it wasn't entirely necessary. Right, right. And I, I totally get that. I mean, not only is it a an obstacle of, of economics. I mean, this is going to cost you several hundred dollars. And like you said, you always have to say, well, if I ever want to leave the state, I need to go ahead and take my other national exam. So and that's, that's quite a burden, you know, preparing and, and of course you know, paying for, but then on the other hand of this, I think, uh, you know, I mean, Becky, a little bit, of this sounds like another way to tax veterinary technicians. Well, and I think that was a big argument was basically like, these are really, really expensive exams. Um, it's, it's limiting for veterinary technicians and we already know there's a huge shortage of veterinary technicians. We really need, right. you know, to take that into consideration. So the California exam cost, I, my understanding was somewhere around $300, right? The VTNE itself, I believe is right at about $300. Um, and then in California, they also had to do some fingerprinting. So there was like a, a live scan fingerprinting required in that state. I don't know how many states require it, but for California, this was it. It's an additional $150. Wow. So you were talking about $750 for a veterinary technician just coming out of school, right? right? Who probably was only working part-time, if at all, or maybe was working two and three jobs and working more than full-time because they need to live, but they don't probably have $750 just sitting around. Right. And the other thing I I'm afraid to ask Becky is, you know, what's the passage rate? I mean, so, you know, what if a lot of people didn't pass this California tech exam? I mean, well, that's, that's exactly right. And I don't know any um, exams where you are refunded if you don't pass or you don't right. have to take it again. And and what I know is um, on average, the national exam, the VTE pass rate lingers somewhere around 78 to 82 percent. Um, so not that high. Okay. So we have okay. a lot of veterinary technicians retaking this exam or not. And so then we just finished school. We are. And, and the worst part is, is what we hear. I know I have heard this myself is that veterinary practices, veterinarians in, in certain parts of the country, in, in certain places are just telling their graduates, like, it doesn't even matter. Don't take the test. Like, I'm not going to pay you any different. It doesn't matter. You're right. not going to be able to do anything different. And they talk them out of it because they can't come up with this extra $300 to keep paying. Right. Um, and so eliminating this additional $300 for California vet techs, which, you know, my understanding of cost of living out there is pretty, pretty extenuous. I, I think this is pretty essential if it, if it is, you know, um, an unnecessary or irrelevant test. And, and additionally, the technicians argued this was not a test that was required of veterinarians. And I think that's a very right. valid point is 
why would they have this additional test in place for veterinary technicians? Right. Why, didn't, why wasn't there a special uh, California veterinary exam, you know, in addition to just the jurisprudence? Well, you know, it, it's, I think, uh, number one, I commend the California veterinary technicians. I guess they were the ones who kind of were, you know, made this change. Um, but more importantly, you know, in this age where we are in a tight job market, I mean, this will help ease some of that because now if you're in Oregon, for example, or North Carolina, it, it sounds like it would be a lot easier to set up shop and become uh, work as a registered veterinary technician uh, in California. Yeah. You know, and I think that's just exactly it, right? Like if, if you have an appeal to go anywhere else in the country or anywhere out of state, or even if it's just like, I can't possibly stay here. Um, I mean, I know that there are good laws protecting veterinary technicians in California. And so I think there's several sides to this story. You know, what are these funds going to, um, and I'm not actually saying I'm against a jurisprudence exam. Um, I'm against a $300 exam. <laughs> <laughs> well, or more importantly in this, you couldn't be licensed until you pass this California R right. RVT exam. Uh, so that would definitely be a hindrance from you know moving from North Carolina there because it sounds like you're going to have to now not only you know take the VTNE, which you did to get registered and licensed in North Carolina, as well as the North Carolina state test, but now you're going to have to go and do this all over again for the California RVT test plus the California legal test, right? Well, so uh, again, it would just be the California test prior to the elimination of it. So the VTNE will count nationwide and they've eliminated any other tests that right. they recognize. So they do recognize the VTNE as their primary national exam. Um, but the state exam would be would be additional to anybody moving in there. And you're absolutely right. It, it, it I guess I'm on the fence here because I think it's important to say if I'm going to move into California, I need to understand and know their practice act. Right. That's an important thing. But would I consider moving there or would it be a hindrance to me moving there or to continue pro my professional career there? Say if my husband was stationed, I really do think I would have to think twice, especially maybe if this is just temporary. Right. Um, we have a lot of veterinary technicians out there who have are married to military personnel who say, well, I'm only going to be out here four years. Why would I invest $700 to hold a license in the state? I also know technicians who have moved away from California who let that license go because of the cost. Well, Becky, let's spin it slightly differently because this sounds like a, I think it sounds positive. I think this is probably a good change, but really it speaks to a larger issue of just generalized reciprocity. And so this is something we struggle with on the veterinary side. And that is the fact that your license isn't nearly as portable as you might think. For example, if I decide that I wanted to go 10 miles down the road and begin practice in South Carolina, I've got to apply and pass a test and in some states even have an interview. So it's it's a bit of a hassle. I mean, I can't just go get a job or see relief or, you know, or, or do whatever house calls in South Carolina without going through all of this. What's your general opinion on reciprocity? Do you think states, you know, if you're licensed, should you be licensed nationwide and therefore you could go anywhere you wanted to in practice? Or do you do you think that it should be state by state or regionally? I mean, there's been a lot of discussion over the years in the veterinary profession, but what's your general opinion? Well, right. So that's a lot to unpack. And it has a lot to do with what the VNI is working with in, in a lot of ways, because reciprocity is almost essential, I feel like, in tackling the shortage of veterinary technicians. And for opening up this as a profession um, that does need to have some mobility. The biggest problem is that there is not very much um, 
synchronization from state to state in what a technician can do and can't do. So, you know, right, in right. North Carolina, I can't pull single rooted teeth. If I go a couple hours north to Virginia, I can. Right. So part of it is backing it up and saying, what is this? What is this profession? What is the job description? How do we make it look the same? You know, in most states for RNs and other professions um, in the healthcare field, the job is the job, no matter what you're doing. And what's allowed is allowed from state to state. I, I know there are some variants, right? The exception proves the rule. That is what we have to kind of synchronize a little bit better so that what a veterinary technician does and is in one state is similar in just about every state. And then move that reciprocity from state to state because this needs to be a mobile profession. We're in a, you know, we're in a mobile time right. and being pinned down to one state. And then on top of it, the financial obligations of moving to other states is it's too much. It, it, it really, I don't see very many technicians being able to afford it. And what happens is again, you know, I just saw a sign at Starbucks, they hire starting at like 15 to $17 an hour. Right. Why am I even a vet? Why am I a vet tech? I could be a barista <laughs> and make more money than I do in a lot of States. And so is this goes way, way, way back. Yeah, it really does. Now, now getting back to this reciprocity, I mean, there is one other sort of unintended consequence or result of each state having their own little rules and, and licenses. And that is, it's kind of easy to get away with stuff. So we've had numerous cases, uh, certainly in my career, where one veterinarian is uh, convicted of, let's say, substance abuse, DUI, or even malpractice. So something, they did something and they they were found guilty. And it's just as easy as moving to another state and starting all over. Very little of this information crosses state lines because of this siloed legality that we deal with. So I've always been a big fan of reciprocity, for these opening these borders, because I believe that, A, as a hiring veterinarian, if I'm hiring this young associate, I really want to make sure that they're on the up and up, that there's nothing hidden in their their past that might influence, you know, me me hiring them. And number two, the public. I mean, they deserve to know, hey, was this person, you know, arrested or, you know, convicted or whatever? I mean, Becky, have you considered that aspect of reciprocity and this sort of opening up, you know, the, the legal vault? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, it, you know, it makes you wonder how far up or how centralized does licensing need to be? And, and, and should it be done at a higher level um, to where there is more transparency from state to state? I mean, I know when you fill out your exam application, they ask if you've been licensed in another state, if you've ever lost your license in another state. But I'm sure they're not going state to state checking. Um, so but, you know, Again, for technicians, I don't have to have a license to do my job. So I can come to this state, not hold a license, be still considered a quote unquote right, licensed right. technician because I hold one in a state, uh, just not the one that I'm currently practicing in. Yeah, it drives me crazy. Again, we need better standardization. I know that we've heard all different opinions about the VNI or the Veterinary Nurse Initiative. And again, just put aside the term for a second that you may or may not agree with. But the reality is we need this type of, of unity. I mean, because honestly, Becky, a lot of my state jurisprudence exam for veterinary medicine involve what can I let you do? <laughs> what can my registered veterinary technicians do? And, and I get it, but wow, we could do so much better. I will share with you real quickly, though, um, a story that, that I recently uh, was told by a dentist friend of mine, and she was uh, trying to hire a, a young dentist and 
I guess, very similar to us. Each state has their own licensing boards and yada, yada, yada. So this person uh, has just moved into their state. I won't name the state. Um, and, uh, you know, was applying for this job and everything was great, blah, 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 blah. And she started, you know, asking, you know, hey, can I see like your, you know, your old references and things like that. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, but they're, they're not in business anymore or whatever. So she said some little yellow flags popped up. Well, it turns out she contacts the state medical board, her state where she lives. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, we can't give you access to that information from the other state. You have to call the other state. Um, okay. You know, you get it, but you're like, okay, how many people are now going to do that next step of right. due diligence? She does though, because something she said just didn't feel right. Always trust your gut when you're hiring in a lot of these situations. Yeah. She called the original state, turned out the guy had not only declared bankruptcy, but had done so because of a, I don't know how to say this, a sexual assault allegation. Now, I don't know. She couldn't find out whatever happened to that case. I'm assuming it was settled out of court, but you get where I'm going with this, yeah. right? I mean, this person was really, as she said, running from his past. Now, I think we need to do a better job, make that a lot easier. This young lady, had she not done a lot of work on her part, I don't know that she uncovers this story and maybe she hires this young dentist and everything's fine. I'd like to hope it would be. But you know what I'm saying, Becky? That's something that you should know. That's exactly right. And and that's what, what we find is that, you know, there isn't a whole lot of transparency. You're probably not doing a whole lot of research from state to state. And, and it is scary to think what could be possibly, um, you know, happening in it we like to think the best of people. I think inherently we do that. And, and so we think, well, that would never happen to us. But um, I think you're exactly right. I think there are people who, um, if you take the time to trace back their references and backgrounds, you find that there is um, some holes. And, right. uh, you know, I think, again, and I've said this before, is where, how, when do we get in front of this for ourselves? When do we as a veterinary industry, and I think the California Vet Tech Association, like standing ovation to you guys because you did what needed to be done. You you advocated for your profession, for yourselves and got in front of it. I get so frustrated when I see these types of changes coming down from legislation, coming down from government, coming down because people outside the veterinary industry are making a fuss about one thing or another and making change happen they they did this for themselves and I, and I think this is they they recognize that this is a limiting factor for people like you said to come into their state for people to maintain their professional license for people to obtain their professional license possibly even maybe for schools to consider coming into California maybe they're going to look at California and say I don't want to start a school there because the kids can't afford to get licensed in that state and so these technicians stood up for themselves, created the pathway for their profession that works best for them, and let the veterinary medical board know what technician needs look like. And then end of the day, whatever it is we're talking about, I want to see more of that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And 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 again, what I always want people to sit back and, and just sort of take that next level of critical thinking and go, okay, all right, I get it. You know, maybe this was a redundant test. Maybe this was a ripoff. Maybe the funds were being misallocated or misused, right? I don't really care. What it shows or exposes to me a larger problem of A, we don't have uniform regulations or responsibilities for veterinary technicians. So they vary widely, California to North Carolina to Virginia to Missouri, all different. Got to do better than that. Okay. Yeah. And number two, the fact that it's still difficult to move from state to state if you're a licensed veterinarian or veterinary technician. 
which gets back to Becky's point that it's a heck of a lot easier just not to go through all the hassle of being a registered veterinary technician. Just show up, say, I'm a vet tech, and you can go to any state at any time. Just about, you know, and and that's the scary part. And we have a few states that are doing the gold standard that require a lot better than that, but they're few and far between. We're fighting for that, right? But we know that that's a long road and I just don't think it should be. And I just love that the veterinary technicians were able to say, um, I think one thing that really gets misunderstood in some states, I think technician associations believe that their veterinary medical board is like this big, scary entity that doesn't want to hear from them, doesn't want to talk to them. Um in, in the years, like this really big disconnect. And what I have found, at least in North Carolina and talking to other technicians who are active with their state veterinary medical boards and their state VMAs is that they are actually really quite open to talking yes, to them, to hearing more about their needs. They may not comply with everything that they want, but they're willing to hear them out. They're willing to acknowledge them a lot more than I think uh, the old adage, at least like I said, around here um, was to believe. So I encourage technicians out there to be involved with their state medical boards, be involved with their state associations, find out when those meetings are, go, go to their veterinary medical board meetings, go to everything they can be to say, we are professional members of your association. You do represent our voices and we are going to be here to make sure that they're heard. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, we can't complain if we're not pushing for change and California vet techs, you guys are number one example of that. Yeah. Well, Becky, also, as we're talking about this, you know, what about this, the overall standards of care, the expertise? I mean, I think that's still one of the big issues within the veterinary technician community, right? Because the public still doesn't understand and appreciate and value, right? We got that. Okay. They, they think, oh, I don't know. You just, everybody that wants to work at a vet hospital is a quote unquote vet tech. We got that. But today's vet techs are more skilled and, and knowledgeable than ever before. But yet, how do we reflect that in our tests and then by extension, our responsibilities? See, to me, when I see these types of movements, I go, make your test and your standards harder. That way you can now go to state legislatures and say, we can do more. Ooh, how long is this podcast going to be? <laughs> um, we, may, we may have to have an episode too, because the thing about that, and, and I agree with you, I, I, don't even get me started. We have no um, you know, physical examination. Like, we don't right. have a, a tactile portion to our examination. I, 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 I think it's important. I struggled when I was teaching because I graduated students that I wouldn't let touch my dogs ever because they were able to take a test. Um, right, and, right. and it ended up outweighing their hands-on skills. And you know what? I failed students had amazing hands-on skills that couldn't take a test. That imbalance is out there. We know that. It's on the tech side. It's on the vet side. It's probably right. in just about every industry. So I could argue that all day long. And I agree we should make it harder to produce more quality, but at the same time at a 78% pass rate and a huge deficit in technicians as it is, how do we do that? How do we make that work? Those numbers just don't add up at the end of the day. So there are some serious factors of the equation that are missing that we've got to fill in to make that kind of option work. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And, and one, again, you know, listeners, you know, if you've been listening for the past two and a half years, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do want to think about these issues. And that's a big one right there because, you know, you know, I'm always like, well, raise the standards that elevates the whole profession. You can charge more and people respect you more and all that stuff. But as Becky just articulated, Hey, wait a second, not so fast and not so easy because there's a lot more to the calculus than just make the test harder because for, yeah. as you, you very, you know, eloquently, uh, ex explained, Hey, what about the whole physical test? Be uh, you know, I didn't have that, Becky. You're absolutely right. right. Nobody. You know, and, and the reliance is, the hope is that, well, you, your professors in your school setting will have weeded you out and given you the appropriate grades. So 
relying strictly on a handful of professors to declare you adequate in surgery, Becky, I think that's that's a, a challenge. Well, right. But at the same time, too, let me just say veterinary medicine is different, right? And so now you could potentially go through vet school with the intentions of never touching an animal when you get out. And we do have more industry options and we do have more research options. (laughs) And we have the option to say, I'm never going to do surgery. I'm going to specialize in opto. And I just got to pass this part of my class. And so with the option to specialize and 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 less generalized practice happening, like you, you know, being uh, in rural North Carolina where you are, you had to be able to do it all, right? You had to be able to do a little bit of everything. But we've got vets graduating that are like, whoop, I'm never spaying nothing ever. Right. You're <laughs> again. right. You're right. So, you know, it's nice to have the options. That being said, vet techs don't have that. We, in order to specialize a veterinary technician, you have to be in that profession doing it at least 70% of the time for five years. So we cannot come out of school in a specialized environment. We have to be able to hit the ground with more generalized skills and we have to be able to bring them to the field. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know. Like I said, maybe this podcast needs a part two, but (laughs) the skills portion of this, uh, we could, we could debate it for days. Wow. Well, if you're listening and you're from California, we'd love to hear what you think about this recent development. Were you in support of the old California RVT exam? Or do you like the progress of replacing it with the VTNE? I mean, we want to hear about you because we don't live in California. I visit there quite frequently, but I'm not a vet in California. So I'd love to hear what your perspective is on this very interesting and potentially contentious issue. If you're in a state that has a jurisprudence exam, let us know what you think about it. Do you want to get rid of it? Do you think it's important? What do your tests cost? I'm interested to know across the country, what are we seeing? Because I think there's a lot of variation in what it costs to become a licensed professional in this industry. Let us know. You can reach out to us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder, on Twitter and Instagram at Vet Viewfinder. And we have recently, we have joined the world of email and Gmail. And so because of you reaching out to us so frequently on social media, you can reach us now at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. Send us your questions, send us your thoughts, send us your topic suggestions. But more importantly, give us a review on iTunes because that is the way that we grow this channel. And honestly, it's it's the thing that makes us feel best. I mean, you know, Becky and I go through those iTunes reviews and go, hey, look, somebody said something nice. It makes when us I feel, feel sad, so it's, good. It's the first place I go to hear how <laughs> so you guys like these shows. Truthfully, um, you know, I got a, a text message from a friend the other day saying, I just listened to the podcast on management and I really needed this today. And it made my heart so happy to know that the topics we cover, the things that we say are either hitting home with you or not. While you're there leaving that feedback, don't forget to click to subscribe so you don't miss one great episode of the Veterinary Viewfinder. Until next time. Bye. Bye. I think that was okay. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, there's a lot covered.